When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. A, uh, a Sunday edition post-Jets Packers 23-14 victory for the New York Jets. Moved to 2-0 in the preseason. Obviously only preseason, but you know, good momentum here for the team getting two, uh, two victories. And you know, we'll get right into it. We've got the Twitter spaces from Friday coming up. Um, you know, right after this brief little recap with uh, guys like Damian Woody, Connor Rogers, DJ Banami, um, and myself talking, um, you know, kind of Jets, Carl Lawson injury, Zach Wilson, Mackay Beckton struggles, or, you know, if we should react, underreact, overreact, all that type of good stuff. So stay tuned for that. But obviously, Zach Wilson, the story of the night last night, 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns, some, some highlight reel throws, whether it's the uh, skinny post on third and eight to Corey Davis for 24 yards, it's the the one where he rolls out, Corey Davis stops his route. He hits Corey Davis on a on a you know throw that he made at BYU and and during his pro day that people are getting all giddy about. We finally got that highlight play, Zach moving around in the pocket. Then you you know look at some of the other you know throws that are kind of uh, a little bit under the radar. One he makes on uh, went across you know shallow crossing route to Corey Davis as well. Um, uh, you know there was the two touchdowns to Tyler Croft. One you know play action rolling to his left, and then another one he looks off the linebackers and it's Tyler Croft on a perfect seam ball for his uh his first NFL touchdown so overall you know they also get three points in the first drive um you know they get stuffed on Dan Feeney got blown up a little bit on, on a third and one run but overall the Jets starting offense gets 17 points you know they've obviously been missing some guys Morgan Moses didn't play obviously Elijah Vera Tucker Elijah Moore um to name a few others who you know obviously were not dressed but as a whole Jets starting offense looks fantastic. Um, yes, it's granted against some, you know, <laughs> some of the backups for the Packers and a majority of backups, are, you know, twos, a couple starts, mostly twos though. But at the end of the day, you can't really, um, you know, ask for much more from Zach Wilson. Took another step, built upon, a, you know, a really solid performance in week one, the preseason, um, and then, you know, was awesome last night. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys had nothing but great things to say about Zach overall, the arm talent, his, you know, mental processing, all those types of things. So huge win for the Jets in terms of, Wilson, which is kind of all what this is all about. Um, the defense did not look great. On the other hand, again, you know, Carl Lawson getting injured, um, you know, missing some starters and guys like Bless Austin, Lamarcus Joyner didn't play, um, you know, just to name a few, obviously Quinn and Williams working his way back, but, you know, missing Lawson, the Jets, you know, struggled. Bryce Huffin, uh, John Franklin Myers, who got a lot of pressure the week, you know, week prior, um, didn't have a strong games. You look at guys like CJ Mosley look good, which is obviously nice to see. He continues to build, but, um, you know, Matt Marcus made his best performance. It's a preseason game. Not going to overreact there. Um, you know, he's a veteran. He's, you know, trying to save his body for the regular season. But, you know, the cornerback room, some guys grayed out well. Brandon Eccles, uh, Jason Pinnock, 
um, you know, should be competing for that, you know, starting job with Blas Austin, you know, not playing yesterday, but you know, Echoes, you know, great out in the ace from PFF. You look at uh, Lamar Jackson had a nice game uh, as well. Javelin Guidry kind of cementing himself as that starting nickel um, for the Jets, which I think makes a lot of sense, but it's, you know, he's continuing to play well there. So, you know, overall, again, they get the victory. The defense did not look great. The corners, you know, corners definitely going to be an issue, you know, popping up here and there. They're going to have to, you know, figure out replacing Carl Lawson's production, which, you know, you will hear, you guys will hear in a minute here or here. So, you know, with, uh, you know, I was talking about it, but yeah, overall good night for the Jets. Like I said, we'll have a more in-depth breakdown on Tuesday's pod. I'll get, I'll get more in-depth on you know, some of the offensive line play. Mekhi Beckton got out in the screen game, uh, mauling people. He looked perfectly fine. So um, it's just some guys like Mekhi, you know, the lights come on and he looks like a different football player. So all good news, pretty much. Injury bug, Jared, Jared Davis, Connor McDermott. Um, Davis looks like it might not be a serious uh, McDermott. Looks, you know, like it might be a season-ending injury there. Again, Zane Lewis out for the year, um, as we mentioned. And um, obviously, Carl Lawson. So, you know, overall, again, it's all about Wilson. Make, made the throw. is built upon a really good first performance. Looks fantastic last night. Nothing but good things to say. He'll probably get, I would assume, two to three series uh, against Philly, but they've got those joint practices. So, yeah, you know, obviously, you've got this the Twitter space is coming up. Um, you know, last bit of news here before uh, when we get a Tuesday pod. Again, we'll break down a little bit further some of the, uh, you know, some of the game tape and things like that. Uh, the Jets, you know, I'm sure to report earlier, the Jets are looking to add a pass rusher in the trade market. A few names to watch. Um, obviously, Chandler Jones is a guy that's an elite level pass rusher at 19 sacks. Um, in his last full season in 2019, um, he is got he does have one year remaining, and it'll be you know obviously depends on how much that that you know compensation would be to you know acquire him. He's a guy that you would think maybe goes to a contender more so than the Jets, but um, you know maybe they get him on a cheap deal, and you know they can kind of you know look at re-signing him in the offseason. If not, a guy like Derek Barnett makes a lot of sense from Philly. Um, you know, former first round pick five, six sacks the last couple of years, um, you know, respectively, and, you know, only 25 years old, um, you've got, you know, and he's going into his fifth year. So still young, you know, young asset, maybe you part with a fourth or a fifth round or something like that. So um, those are some names to watch again. It's all about Zach Wilson yesterday. Jets get another victory and, uh, you know, enjoy the Twitter spaces live with uh, myself, Connor, DJ, and, and Damien coming up here. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys this week. What's up, Deej? How we doing? I'm chilling. Chilling right down in bed right now, just cooling it. Did you get any uh, any other crazy food for uh, from Green Bay? So yeah, I had as I had duck duck wings, not duck legs, but I had duck wings. Um, I had hibachi. I mean, the hibachi was okay. Hibachi little, in Green Bay? Yeah, it was salt, saltier than I would have liked. Um, but I mean, it was it was solid, nothing too crazy. Um, I'll see what I'll see what else I can, you know, find eat. There ain't really shit out here though. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> Just cheese and craft beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously, uh, and our people kind of filtering in here. You know, yesterday was uh, obviously a bit of a mess for the Jets. And <laughs> what was kind of the reaction? Yeah. What was kind of like the reaction? You know, for you. Um, as soon as Carl Lawson went down, were you like, this has got to be bad? Or is it like kind of you couldn't really see what was going on? Uh, so from my viewpoint, I was watching Jets defense versus the Packers offense. You know, Carl Lawson comes around the edge and then like 
I mean, you know, then, you know, you turn your head to see where the ball's going. Then you look back because. Yeah, dude, you're uh, you're muted. I think. That's it. All right. All right, good. No, nah, you can hear me. Yeah, nah, you can hear me. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, you had muted me. Yeah, um, yeah, but now, nah, like I said, like, you know, Carl Austin, you know, he's, yeah, he comes off the edge. He gets, I mean, and then, you know, I'm I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm looking to see where the ball is going. The ball gets thrown in completion, and I look back. Everybody, you know, people are taking knees. The music, you know, dims down a little bit, and then um, you see that, you know, you see 58 sit on his butt, and, you know, oh, snap, that's Carl Austin. Um so I mean, obviously he couldn't put any weight on this leg. I mean, I kind of knew, I kind of knew that it wasn't gonna be good. Obviously, I didn't want to speculate and put that out there because obviously, you know, let's say it wasn't. Now that comes back and that bites me. So I, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, but yeah, it was kind, it was kind of obvious that it it wasn't gonna be good. Um, I didn't think, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think Achilles until that Connor came up to me and was like, yeah, I mean, he couldn't really put any. And he weight on that left leg. And, um, you know, I was like, okay. So he mentioned that. I was like, oh, that might be that. But, I mean, obviously when the news came out, I was like, yeah, that's 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 as devastating as it can get. Yeah, when the second I heard lower leg and then I heard pop, I was like, damn, like, it's done. Because you don't, you know, it's not a uh, Achilles. I was texting a couple of different people that are, like, that I played with or that I know have torn their Achilles and every single person was like, you know, within seconds, if it's the Achilles, they feel your calf and your Achilles one time and it's like, boom, it's done. And then it's always the same way. I see, I see Damian Woody's in here. He, you know, obviously went through the Achilles. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. And, you know, Carl's obviously been down this world a couple of times, um, you know, with the, with the two ACLs, I was, I was just nervous. I mean, the Achilles is obviously a brutal injury, for, especially from an explosion perspective, but to have three, three ACLs would have been would have been pretty tough. I mean, at least he's 26 years old and obviously he's come back before, but was the rest of practice, the vibe just totally off because everyone's just, all they're thinking about is, you know, uh, all, they're, all they're thinking about is, you know, Carl Lawson. I wouldn't say that because, like, I, I, the next play, they almost got into, they got into a fight. I think Brennan Eccles and somebody else, um, again, with like a fight scuffle. But, I mean, for the rest of the practice, people still competed. People still played hard. Um, the defense was still giving, you know, all the effort they could. I mean, during the two-minute drill, they 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 forced an uh, interception. Um, I, th- I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I know his Niesman. I think that's how you say it, but he caught an interception. Uh, Aaron Rodgers tried to force the throw down the middle of the field um, to, to his tight end. Um, and Jerry Davis was right there, popped the ball up, and, you know, he came down. So it wasn't like it was deflating. Yeah, like, you know, Carl Lawson is down. But I did respect how that, you know, the Jets didn't pack it in and they still kept fighting and competing. Especially a young team, man. I feel like that's that's just like killer blow, especially like the way he's been balling in practice. He's like that vocal leader of the defensive line, at least from, I mean, Foley also. But every time I've been in practice, it just 
everyone kind of feeds off his energy. So they're going to need Bryce Hoff. They're going to need John Franklin Myers. They're also going to need a lot of the, the depth pieces they brought in that were like kind of the nice to have guys like the Vinnie Curry, you know, around Blair, those type of people that really like I tweeted out before, it's probably going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to combine for like 70 to 80 pressures to kind of make up for a lot of what they're going to miss in Carlos. And not that this isn't still a really good group. It's just this group had top five potential. And now it's, maybe top 10 potential as opposed to top 12, as opposed to top five, which is tough when the cornerback room, quite frankly, is the way it is. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, I had a top 10. I think this drops it out of that. I think um, I, I don't really see top 10 potential. I'm just being honest because what, what made it top 10, potential top five was what you're going to, you're going to have Quinnen and Carl Lawson being able to wreak absolute havoc because that's one thing that Carl Lawson did every single day in practice was get to the quarterback, consistently cause pressure. And obviously, we already know what Quinnen was going to be able to do. Obviously, he still has to come back um, and get back into the swing of things coming off of the PUP. But overall, though, that was going to make it like a really dynamic group was that, you know, that effect that Carl Lawson was going to bring because, again, it didn't really matter who was in front of him. Even at Green Bay, he was able to create sacks, cause pressure, things of that nature. Um, I remember there was one play – it was Tuesday. No, that's the Wednesday. Uh, Aaron Rodgers tries to do a play action, and he the second he turns around, like he's trying to do like a naked boot. Second he turns around, Carlson's like right in his face. And Aaron Rodgers had to throw off back foot, throws it. I mean, things are being uh, incompletion, but yeah, I mean, I think that loss drops them from a top potentially top ten, but like you know, top fifteen, because I do like the depth. Um, obviously, it won't fall in like into the twenties. I doubt that. But I think top 15, um, so like 15 to like 11, maybe 10 range, um, like at its absolute best. But, yeah, no, I mean, that that is a really big blow when you think about like the cornerback room because, <clears throat> I mean, like I didn't expect them to be able to lock up the Packers receivers. Like that would have been silly to even think that. Bro, Bless, but, said, um, Bless though, said he uh, he's a top corner in the league. He didn't think he was going to lock Devontae down. <laughs> But, I mean, he has to believe that. He no, I love he's from that. Queens, man. That's the confidence you need. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like you know, there were plays where, um, you know, they they would hold up, hold up, and then boom, touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, like there, I think Wednesday, um, Bryce, Bryce, not Bryce, but Bless gave up a touchdown to M MS, I mean, MVS. That's what they call him in Green Bay. Um, he gave a touchdown to him, like a 40 yard touchdown. Um, but then he came back. You know what I'm saying? He forced the incompletion had a pass breakup in the end zone uh, guarding him. And then, like, Bryce Bryce Hall on Wednesday during two-minute drill, Aaron throws a deep ball to Devontae Adams. Bryce breaks that up. And then, like, they try again with MSV. I mean, not MSV, MVS. And then Hall breaks up that one. But then on Wednesday, I mean, on, on Thursday, um, Bryce, uh, he didn't give up any deep balls. But there was a play that MVS gets open down the field. And he eats Bryce, but, you know, he drops the ball. That, that could have been touchdown. And that's when uh, – um, the next play, that's when uh, Aaron throws the pick, which was which was good to see. Um, but as you alluded to, with the cornerback situation being what it is, that D line was really going to have to create a lot of pressure to give the cornerback less time to have to cover. But now, um, with Carl being out, that changes that dynamic, um, not substantially but noticeably. Can I jump Jamie, in here, fellas? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. I was of like, course, I wanted to hear you talk. Yeah, yeah. You a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Of course you could jump Le in. Well, listen, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me in um, into the discussion. And, and uh, you know, what, I, what I'll say is this. You know, as far as uh, Carl Lawson is, is concerned, 
obviously that's a huge blow. Um, everyone expected Cole Austin to have a huge, you know, huge year this year. Um, playing in this system, this this Robert Sala, you know, defense, you know, it, it allows you – you don't have to think. You just go. And I think that's why these guys love this system because they – it's not a read and react type of thing like the Jets were doing last year. This is just go up the field and wreak havoc. Um, you know, so it's going to be a big blow. There's no question about that. I do think the D-line – the D-line room is the deepest room on the team. They got talent there. Um, so I think, you know, you're going to be looking at Bryce Huff playing a more prominent role, uh, particularly on early downs probably now that uh, Carl Lawson is out. Um, as far as the defensive backs, or just in general, and I just want to tell, like, all Jets fans this, anyone who's listening right now, you got to have perspective on what this year is supposed to be, okay? This is a young team. This might be – one of, if not the youngest teams in the league. So they're playing a lot of young guys, a lot of rookies, second-year guys, because Robert, you know, Coach Sala believes in, he wants to develop these guys. That's why they're not bringing in, they haven't brought in a bunch of veterans. They want to develop these young guys. And so this season is going to be a bunch, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a roller coaster ride this whole season. The defensive backs, they're going to give up plays. Everybody needs to get it in their minds right now. This year, in my opinion, is about the quarterback. It is totally about the quarterback, developing the quarterback. Because in this league, you cannot win big without a quarterback. Okay? So for Jet fans out there, it's about Zach Wilson. It's about Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker, Makai Becton. You know, Michael Carter, both of them. It's about developing these young guys to build the foundation. Because guess what? Ten years of bad drafting, bad acquisitions leads you to this point. So the Jets are replenishing. And this is a reload year. So I just want everybody out there to kind of have some perspective about this year. Because to me, 2022 is that year. You're going to have a team with a bunch of cap space, a bunch of draft picks. You're going to get Carl Lawson back next next in the, next year. And now you're going to be talking about real expectations. So I just, you know, I'm going to stop talking, but everybody, I just want everybody to understand and have perspective on this year and what this year is all about. No, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, you know, I saw a lot of, oh, the season's over. We're going to go, you know, 2-14 and 14 again. Well, like, you know, this this year was always about is solid head coach, is he the guy going forward, which I think we all, you know, have either seen or, you know, kind of hoped is the case. And is Zach Wilson that is that dude for the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years that the Jets can go, okay, we have our quarterback, we have our head coach. You know, we have a couple young offensive line pieces. We have a couple young defensive line pieces. Now we've got cap space, probably four top 50 picks next year. And let's go, you know, make the playoffs in 2022. And if we surprise some people and win eight, nine games, that's great. But we're probably a six, seven win team that's trying to, they're just going to fight and develop. And if you develop Zach Wilson, the rest is kind of on Joe Douglas to just, you know, start building, keep continue to build that roster with, with young guys. You mentioned all young people. Like there's, I think it was 30, right? DJ's 30 guys that had never played a preseason snap before. Yeah, according to Salah, it was like around 
30. He's probably more, to be honest. But, yeah, he said, like, 30 guys that never ever played in that uh, preseason game. I mean, Damian alluded to, like, having – they might have one of the youngest teams. That might, like, um, on paper, it's, like, the fifth youngest. Because, like, the average rate – the average age is, like, 24, um, 25. So, that's, like, the fifth one, like, fifth youngest in the NFL. All right. It's – uh. It's crazy. I guess it's kind of good Damian came on. We Obviously, the other, you know, topic, minus Carl Lawson was, you know, uh, before kind of, um, you know, talked through some of the Mekhi Becton stuff. There's been a lot of back and forth with the beat writers and the fans and X, Y, and Z. How do, what's your, what's your Mekhi Becton take? Because I'm sure everyone's, that's the one thing everyone's, you know, freaking out about. Me? Yeah, like. You're, you're impressed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so, I mean, I mean, he's had an up-and-down training camp, but, I mean, again, he's going against, you know, Carl
regardless, he's still in shape. He's not out of shape. He's, there's not any health concerns. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to be one that's going to sound all these. Oh, well, maybe he's not healthy because again, like that puts out a, a unnecessary narrative. Like I'm watching the herd. It's almost like an indictment of him, right? Stay. Like it's like, oh, he can't stay healthy, which is a narrative last year. And like if we start exactly, pushing that, exactly, then it exactly. kind of this. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Discredits him almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm watching, you know, the herd, and, and like Colin mentions how he's like Makai is out of shape because I think somebody had tweeted that out. You know, what I'm saying like some blue check guy tweeted that out. And he was out of shape. In reality, like, no, nah, he's not out of shape. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just he's been going against someone that's really, really good. You know, you feel me? Like, it's just like with the cornerbacks, they've been getting beat a lot in practice, but that's okay. They're going against some really, really good comp in Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, Jameson Crowder, and Keenan Cole. You know what I'm saying? So, like that explains some of it too granted like that can't be that can't be your crutch but again like that explains some yeah, of it no I'm, I'm on the same page i just think like you know charles mentioned on the podcast today he's like last last year even during camp you know mckay's a rookie and jordan jenkins was beating him consistently and then like the lights came on week one and he was a totally different player so it's not as if we haven't kind of seen this story before and it's not making an excuse for him or saying that but like the talent's there we've seen it on film now he's got to be consistent he looked a lot better in game than he did um, during practice, to me at least, and I, it's not an excuse for him. But left guard is a, is a massive issue with Dan Feeney in there. Um, it does it, it just gives guys a two way go that they know I can beat Makai inside or outside because he doesn't trust who's next to him. Not saying that the reason all the sacks have been given up at all, but it is a, definitely a factor in, in knowing like if you trust that guy next to you that they can pick up a stunt or they can pick up when Carl Lawson's cutting inside and not you know. Now he doesn't have to worry about getting beat outside as much and, and so on and so forth. I just feel like there's there's a million different factors to it, but I'm not concerned yet because they played one preseason game and had two joint practices. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back there. Um he's for the most part he's been beaten going like everybody going outside outside of him. So like when he's beat, it's cause someone was able to rip around him, um, bend through him and get to the quarterback from the outside. Nobody's beating him on his side's all been for the most part through the outside. Just wanna, you know, put it out there. So like, yeah. Like Elijah Barry Tucker would help. He'll help, but know, it's not the reason. Majority of the reason it's happening. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Dan Dan Feeney. Dan Feeney, granted, has his flaws and his major flaws, but he's not the re. He's not. He hasn't contributed to Makai being beat in practice. But again, remember, he's going against Carl Lawson and Preston Smith, two guys that are really good passers. Yeah, passers. even like Morgan Moses, I think, like you know, looked really, really good physical, physically in Giants game, and then he looked really. I thought, I mean, from talking to you and talking to people that were at practice. You know, the last two practices, Moses looked good um, and really physical, but at the same time, you know, Bryce Huff beat him a couple of times. You've seen JFM beat him, so it's not like these linemen aren't perfect. They're just going to need to gel a lot better before week one because if your offensive coordinator is saying it's the pass pro is not where it needs to be and everybody's talking about the fact that Wilson, you know, he's definitely, I'm sure, holding the ball, but you can't, like, you have to, he can't just get the ball quick every time. That's not the only part of this offense. And, like, the big playability gets taken away if you can't give him at least a semblance of time, obviously. We're going to get – yeah. I, I completely agree there. I completely agree there. We'll get to some uh, questions. Israel, I'll let you, let you kind of get in here, um, you know, ask your question, and, uh, and then we'll kind of try to get, uh, get some of these answered. And get connected in here real quick. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Thanks, guys. Yeah, for for taking the time. Um, yeah, I I guess I really just wanted to kind of emphasize what DJ is saying. I know like a ton of Jets Twitter 
it seems like <laughs> like we're kind of like totally against Connor. Like the, the way Connor paints the struggles Makai is going through versus the way uh, DJ paints the struggles Makai is going through is crazy. Like it blows my mind every time. Like I think when we see like not even just Connor, but some of the other B, like you just start to kind of panic, like, oh, Makai's a bus and this and that versus like we DJ and with Damien, like, hey, give him some time. It's early and especially like the competition he's going against. Like, I think just me as a Jets fan, I was like so nervous for that first game against the Giants, especially for Zach, just protection wise. And then he ended up being fine. So I'm kind of in the same boat, like, hey, let's let's get through the season. Let's get through some actual games first before we just start saying, hey, Makai's a bust. It's over. You know, why did we draft him? And probably just like PTSD as Jets fans, we just tend to overreact pretty fast. Yeah, if Makai goes out there and gives up four sacks week one to Brian Burns, I think you have a reason to go, I'm a little concerned here. But if that doesn't happen, then it's all just, it's camp. People, It's practice. People have good practices, bad practices. I don't know if you agree, DJ. Yeah, and I'm, um, so with the preseason point, I think we still have to temper it there too, like, because, again, he was going against a lot of, like, backup giant defensive linemen. So, like, we have to also throw in that caveat, um, Yes, he was good. He did what he had to do. So credit to him there. Um, I don't think that we should, again, but I don't think Jeff Fan should be worried about Beckton's, uh, you know, uh, issue. I do think that it's something that you should keep an eye out for. But concern, not yet, because um, we, just, we just look at the Jets' schedule. They don't really face that many premier edge rushers. I mean, yeah, they they, they will see <laughs> Vaughn Miller and um, – the the dude at NC State I forgot his name, but you'll you'll see him week three. But if you look through the you know the schedule, there's not that many like premier pass rushers. But um, yeah, I mean again like Makai Beckton, he he's been he's been solid throughout camp, been up and down. But you gotta you know continue to let him develop and and be patient and temper and pull back some expectations of him being. Cause if you if you put him out, okay, we believe that he's gonna be a, a all pro left tackle. That's the standard. Then he is underachieved. But if you reduce his expectation, but he's still developing. He can turn into that. He could be a pro bowler this year and things go right for him. But overall, he'll be a solid starter this year and he won't get that killed. Then I think you'll be, you'll be satisfied by the end of the year. Because at the end of the day, like, um, I saw somebody tweet this. I forgot who it was, but the amount of NFL, the amount of teams that don't have NFL tackles that won't allow the offensive game plan to be wrapped ain't a lot. You know, and the Jets have guys that won't allow the offensive game plan to be completely wrecked. Like, Dolphins right now, uh, Austin Jackson, he will, there will be days where Tua Tagovailoa may look like he died at the end of the play because Austin <laughs> Jackson has been struggling a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I just don't have that right now. So, again, I, you could panic, you could panic a little bit, be a little concerned, but, you know, it ain't doomsday, like, it looked like it could be in Miami at times. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on I'm on the same page as you. Elliot, we'll go to you next. Anything you want to ask DJ, Connor, myself? Um, you know, yeah, um, yeah, thank you for having me, man. Um I was gonna ask DJ, so yeah, obviously the Carl Lawson injury is not the end of the world, but you know, it's still pretty sad and he seemed like he could have been a double digit double digit sack guy. Uh based off of your predictions for Jets wins this year, it wasn't gonna be high anyway, but do you think losing Carl Lawson brings the projection down by like a whole win or maybe even two wins or something like that? 
Um, so yeah, I had it at six. I think with the Carl Lawson law, uh, loss, I think they might drop down at five because um, the way he looked, he was gonna like the D line was gonna be able to win the uh, the Jets a game, like or a game or two. Like that's how like dominant they were looking with when you have Carl come off the edge and you got Sheldon Rankins and you're gonna have Q and you had you know John freaking Myers and Foley and. And Shep and, and Huff, man, it was they were loaded there, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. They were practicing where they could just overwhelm our offensive line and there were gonna be games like they were gonna be able to overwhelm our offensive line, whether it was gonna be at Carolina or at Denver or against the Bengals, you know what I'm saying? Or at that home game with the uh, with the Dolphins. Like they were gonna be able to snatch a game that they people didn't project that they were gonna win going into the season. So I think, you know, losing that, um that hurts a little bit because Robert Sala's whole entire scheme is predicated off of how much pressure can my defensive line create without me having to send anybody any extra bodies so I can keep people in coverage and force the quarterback to hitch and then my D-line can can get them, get the quarterback. So I think, you know, losing Carl Lawson, that that affects that. Um, that Because, that, you know, again, like I'm just being frank, like Carl Lawson was the just best player in camp. And I think he was going to probably be their best player to start out the year as Quinn continues to get back and run back into form, run back into shape, because again, he hasn't practiced much throughout OTAs and hasn't practiced that much during training camp. Just got back this week. So I, Carl Austin was without a doubt the just best player in camp and was going to be the best player to start out. So if you lose your best player, you know that you're going to, you're going to feel that somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, obviously I still want to see some more preseason games, but like, I had him at six. It may be down to five. But again, as Damian said, like this year is all about Zach Wilson and making sure that he can have some level of success so you can carry that into 2022. I'm on the same page. Connor, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, Jets like win total and how much? I wish the NFL had a better war statistic um, like baseball does. But I guess, you know, we'll have to rely on what, what we kind of had, which is 64 pressures and 15, 16 games from Carl Lawson. Yeah, it's tough, right? I, th- I think for me, what I look at with losing Carl is just how do you close games, right? Because, you know, this is something that I'm sure the Jets personnel staff saw when they evaluated him as a free agent is that, you know, he didn't get a lot of opportunities in Cincinnati to do what he does best. And that's when you're playing with a lead and the other team is going pass heavy. You could pin his ears back and get upfield and get after the quarterback and wreak havoc. And, you know, the reason that I was so excited about that is when I had scouted him at Auburn, I thought that was his best quality. If you turn on the third and fourth quarter and watch Carl, it, it kind of, he turned into a first-round player in second halves, and that was just because he had the opportunity to go. And he had an array of moves. He had a nonstop motor. He's obviously in a different physical level of condition than most guys in the NFL where stamina was he, – he was just – he had a different gear than the tackles in the second half. And he went, kind of went to the wrong team, uh, you know, as a fourth-round pick where the Bengals were not winning games and he didn't have opportunities to do that. And he was still productive, but just not on the level that – you know, a lot of teams in free agency uh, saw this year, including the Jets, why they gave him, you know, $30 million guaranteed. So I think when you look at it for Carl, it's just how do they close games now, right? And, and it's not to say that it's over or I don't know how you evaluate it on, on terms of win total because, you know, maybe the combination of John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff do help Quinnen more than we saw last year. But they're not Carl Lawson, right? So I think when you look at it, that's where it's tough for me is who's going to step up and kind of be the closer on this defensive line. And, and if they don't have that anymore, then you're kind of back to square one. That's been the problem for this team for nearly a decade. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I'm, I'm curious your guys' thoughts on how this kind of affects the roster a little bit because you got Vinny Curry, who's going to start the season um, out. We'll see what they do with, you know, maybe they keep him on IR for, you know, till week three or whatever they do. But there's guys like, um, you know, Rashad or Kyle Phillips or Ronald Blair that have either been injured and in, in kind of bubble guys with some flashes or, um, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe they keep an extra interior guy or keep an extra tight end. How do you see this kind of affecting the roster bubble? Because, you know, it, it, it's sad to say, but there's two spots now between, um, you know, <laughs> there's like two guys that just tore the, you know, around for the season. So how do you think this affects the roster, uh, you know, when they cut down to 53? You asking me or Either one, whatever, if you guys want to ch- chime in. Take it away, DJ. I'm actually curious, DJ, who do you think in the, you know, the third stringers that's gotten reps has actually popped a little bit out of the edge group? Because it's this like group of like tier three guys that besides Blair, who, you know, at one point people thought he could have a career ending injury and it's good to see him back on the field. Who do you think's actually really popped out of that group? Out of that group, probably the undrafted free agent out of Oregon State. Um, I do not know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Hamaclar Rashad? Yeah, I was trying to avoid saying it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm big on not butchering people's names, so you know what I'm saying? I just <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah, he he's popped a little bit. I think he made so like all the beat guys like a roster pool of like who we think gonna be on the opening day roster. Um like the opening day roster at fifty three and then like who's gonna be active and who's not gonna be active. But yeah, I had I had Richard on mine. Um he he's flashed a little bit. I mean he gotta add some more moves to his pass rushing game. Um but he has, he has talent. You know, he just can't get by off of just being, like, one of the best athletes on the field. But he's really talented. Um, it's, it's really a shocker that he went undrafted, but it's because he had zero sacks in a very short season. Um, so that's that's one guy. Um, let me see. Oh, oh, Jonathan Marshall. I had I didn't – yeah, I didn't have a make in the fifth. I was going to be practice squad. But I think now with the injury – and he had, like, two sacks in that first game, that first preseason game. One, he had the safety to basically clinch the game, too. So I think – um, those two for sure um, are going to be in better standing and like they can not only make the team, but really contribute this year. Yeah. I, I just think that it's still a deep group and like, his, obviously like a, we kind of all mentioned like, yeah, Carl's brutal, but I just, I don't want the panic to be like, Oh, the season's over. I don't want to watch now. Like I got excited for nothing. Like, yes, I totally understand the uh, frustration and disappointment, but at the same time, I know Danny mentioned this. We've all kind of mentioned this in the beginning here. Like this season always has been and always will be about can you see something from the quarterback to go, I know we have a quarterback going forward and now we can build around this guy and continue to add pieces so we can make a playoff push in 2022. Because like I said, maybe the Jets, you know, sparks, you know, spark some stuff. Salah went through this last year. They lost Nick Bosa in week two against the Jets in the first, you know, first drive. And he was the kind of the motor of that defensive line. And he was able to get the most out of those guys. So you kind of hope he just has it in him that he can kind of coach up these young guys to get as much experience as possible. And then you kind of know what you have going to free agency in the draft next year where you go, okay, now we can kind of really compete and, and go for it and compete with the Miamis and, you know, Buffaloes of uh, the division. Um, Quick, quick shout I just want to quickly shout out two of my Juco teammates, Tarek and uh, another dude named Jamaica. They, they ain't here right now. Um, Jamaica's a Carolina fan, so he's kind of a Panthers fan. So he's hoping that, um, you know, Sam Darnold can turn into what Jet fans hope that Sam Darnold could be. Um, and then he just sent me a, a message saying that. Because you remember you said that Brian Burns has four sacks. Then then, then we should be concerned. And he sent me a gif of saying, oh, that's going to happen. But 
That's not the here nor there. Brian Burns <laughs> looked pretty good in that in a uh, that joint practice the other day. He's, that dude is an b- absolute beast. But um, we'll get a couple more questions here, Garrett. I'm gonna have you um, come pop in here, add your speaker if you want to get your uh, get your question in. Am I on? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, um, you know, I had a question real quick for Connor. Um, so, Connor, do you think this could be viewed in a sense as a blessing in disguise with Carl Lawson going down? Carl is only 26 years old, and uh, obviously the Jets, I mean, they picked number two overall. I think we all know that generally doesn't happen by accident. So, in a sense, uh, obviously Carl going down isn't ideal, but this could set – the Jets up for a top three or four pick next year. I mean, maybe even top seven and then potentially trade up for a Kayvon Thibodeau and have a Kayvon, Carl Lawson, Quinton, Quinton Williams defensive line. Thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think when you look at it, there's there's really no great way to spin losing Carl Lawson because, you know, for Salah, this was year one of starting to build, you know, kind of what he was doing in San Francisco on defense where you have this attacking front four and Carl was the perfect free agent because he, turned 26 in June and, and, you know, DJ had a really good tweet that like, this is not the end for him. He'll be, you know, he's, he's, he's been through serious rehabs before and uh, he'll be 27 next summer. So he's still a young player really entering his prime where, you know, you're, you're expecting him to be a big time piece for you next year. And in a year where, you know, after this season, the jets have to be thinking playoffs every year, that has to be the goal after this season. So there's no real positive way to spin it. But if you look at the draft, I think my question is, Garrett, if you get a top seven pick again, how did you get there, right? Were you scoring, you know, 20, 25 points a game and the quarterback looks great and the offense was pretty clutch and has a clear cut identity, but you just couldn't close out games because you got really young corners that are, you know, quite frankly, we don't know if any of them are, are really good yet. And you have a defensive line that's missing. It's, I think it's second biggest piece. I still think Quinnen is you know, the best player on that defense overall. It's just a matter of he's, he's going to have a slow start because he's coming back from injury. So I think that would be a promising top seven pick where you know you have a franchise quarterback that's going to be a top 12 quarterback in the league for the future. Your offensive early picks like Elijah Moore and, and Elijah Vera Tucker and Michael Carter, you know, were productive as rookies, something the Jets have not gotten out of offensive rookies really at all in, in the last decade. And that to me would be like, okay, we understand what the problem is here. We just... We ran out of assets to build this defense and we had bad injury luck and we know it's a quick fix to build it. But if you have a top seven pick where the offense isn't scoring points, the quarterback's turning the ball over, you know, you're getting blown out a handful of times, you know, whether it's, you know, 30 to 10, 30 to seven, that looks different to me. And, and I still have questions about how this, of course, it's we're you know, eight to nine, 10 months away, how this draft class is going to shake up where. I like Kayvon Thibodeau a lot. I like some of the pass rushers, but all of them are really, really raw. I don't have anyone written in ink as a top five pick right now, and that changes really, really quickly by October or November or can change really quickly. So I don't think the Jets need to be hoping for a top five, top seven pick, or Jets fans don't need to be rooting like that this year. I think they need to be hoping that everyone plays as as best as they can and win as many games as you can. And you're going to get good players with the Jets pick and with the Seattle pick. Or if you feel like, hey, there's a player we really like in the top 10, you can package the plethora of picks you have together to go back up and, and get a Thibodeau or whatever pass rusher you want to add to this defense or corner you want to add to this defense. So, you know, do I think they'll be picking top three, top five? I don't. I don't think the schedule is overwhelming. I Do I think they're going to be, you know, sneaking into the playoffs? I don't either. So, yeah, it's just it's tough to cover up this injury or spin this injury in a positive way 
But there are a lot of different ways to look at how you get to a, a top 10 pick. And, let, and let's be real. I mean, let's just be honest. If you end up where you can get, you know, one of those premier players, you want to get Derek Stingley. I, I I get it, the Oregon defense, and he he's extremely talented. But Stingley, plug, plug in, let's roll. Now you can – now that defense is going to take another step forward. You know what I'm saying? Because now you can shore up that cornerback issue because it's going to be an issue by – you know, it's going to still be a glaring weakness. Week on one. <laughs> it's going to be an issue week one. Yeah. It's going to be issue week one. It's going to be issue week, week 17. It's going to be an issue going into the offseason. So if you can get – you know, next year – we're talking next year. If you can get Stingley – then, like, now we're talking about an issue that, yeah, it, it might still be, you know, developing things of that nature, but now you have a, a guy that people are considering to be generational. Yeah, if you end up with uh, Stingley, Booth, Elam, and, uh, and Drake London and then sign a guard, whatever. We don't, that's going way down a, a full rabbit hole. But we'll get one more question in here. Um, we have uh, NJ Farrow. Um, whenever you want to ask your question, we'll let you, uh, let you get in here, and then, you know, we'll kind of wrap up. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely want to shout you guys out. Thank you. Uh, I know this is a really busy time of year, so I really appreciate you guys doing this. It's good to to just hear the discourse as you guys talk through it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to jump in a bit of a lighter question from me. I know that it is not uh, hard to find that just Twitter, we have our own sentiment or opinions on all the different beat writers, all the different people that cover the team. And you guys spend a lot of time around each other, inevitably. So I just wonder if there's any type of maybe friendly or unfriendly competition between you guys. Do you guys ever talk about some of the interaction that you get from us on Twitter and, and, and things like that? Because I know we do a lot of tweeting on our side. We do a lot of interacting with your tweets. But how much do you guys really talk about it amongst yourselves? DJ, you want to go first? Yeah, I think you guys – I think that fan is absolute lunatics now. But, I mean, on a serious <laughs> we uh, – when I'm around the beat reporters, we we always talk about it. We always talk about it uh, in a jokingly manner. Like most of us, like it doesn't really bother us. Um, I will admit that Connor and Andy, they both admitted last year that last year was 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 tough because like no matter what they put out, there are people in their mentions saying you guys need to get rid of Adam Gates. You guys need to write that Adam Gates needs to be fired immediately. And that like, Connor was like, yeah, it was just sometimes too much to handle, and it was just. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I'm like, I'm like, I'm me. I was like, okay, okay, can't relate. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, if I was on the beat last year, like that wouldn't have been no issue for me. Like y'all would have been going crazy. Y'all would have been going crazy on y'all. Too, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all be my mentor. All right, whatever. But um, yeah, no, we 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 joke about how creative um y'all can be with y'all responses, some of like the memes that y'all make. Um, but as I've always said, like. Like the tweets will never ever bother me, no, never ever get to me. Um, one because I grew up in a very, very um, tough, loving household, and again, I like I, I played sports, so I had coaches saying a lot worse shit to me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's football, track, whatever it was, I had coaches saying a lot worse shit to me. Oh, and then also teammates saying even worse stuff. No matter, so no matter what y'all can say, it ain't worse than. You know, you you have a shitty practice. You walk into the locker room, and then your teammates tell you you had a shitty practice, and you need to get your shit together, or you ain't never gonna be shit. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> what y'all talking about? You know what I'm saying? That that shit would never, ever, ever phase me for the most part. That's not a, that's not a test to see uh-huh. if you can get DJ uh, to phase him either. <laughs> there we go. Connor, you have any uh, any last words on that one? 
Yeah, I think it's a little different for me because I don't I don't cover the team like day by day on the beat, you know, with DJ and, and the other Connor and all those guys. For me, I cover the draft year round and the Jets have always been like a, you know, it's just like a side project doing Badlands. And uh, the fans have always been, you know, 99 percent like really, really good to me because I, I grew up a Jets fan. So I think it's a little different of perspective where, you know, like when they get, when I have mentions that are really angry or toxic, like I I can get it, I guess, sometimes. I'm like, oh, they're just really mad right now or emotional, and it's that's part of being a fan. So, And I also think, like, covering the draft, like, I cover mostly the happiest day of Jets fans' year most of the time. So I think I see uh, a lot of the, the happy emotions, you know, when they take a Quinn and Williams, when they take a Zach Wilson or whoever it may be. So, I mean, it, it's tough. It's, you know, when you're covering a team, like, you're trying to be obviously neutral uh, for the most part. Covering the draft, I try to be neutral, but – I think it's fun. I think it's it's all in good fun. If man, you can't get on Twitter, you can't log on Twitter and take it too serious, or you're you're gonna be off of there in like two days. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the same page as you. I'm I'm learning uh, I'm learning the hard way to to ignore stuff as Connor and DJ could probably both uh, attest to. I I like to uh, I like to, I'm very competitive, so I like to kind of get after people, but at the same time, you know, everyone's on there has their own opinion, which is uh, which is perfectly okay. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, you know what I'm saying, like you know. At the end of the day, it's just an opinion. Um, and like once, you, as I always say, once you lock your phone, it all goes away. Again, like yeah. you know, yeah, most you know, Jeff fans live all over the country, but when you go outside, nobody is like, "Oh my God, you tweeted this, and I hate you for it." It's just you know, what I'm saying, like, you're just going on about your day, you're just walking through a crowd of people, don't nobody know who you are for the most part. Same with me, you know, what I'm saying, um, and. I just keep that perspective uh, day in and, and day out, you know? And like, as I said, like, I've heard worse, and I'll continue to hear worse, so the tweets will never, ever <laughs> bother wait, me. Wait till, wait till if Makai plays badly or Zach Wilson right. plays badly and you write that first article. But, um, you know, obviously want to thank everybody for, uh, you know, kind of hopping in here. I'll have the – I'll put this up on the uh, the China Jets feed. Obviously, thanks to TJ, Connor, uh, Damian for, you know, kind of all hopping in here and, um, you guys for your questions and you know we're gonna be doing more of these you know throughout the season um i'll have some you know live stuff coming out sunday dj is gonna have a bunch of pieces i'm sure connor's got a bunch of stuff with badlands in the draft so make sure you guys are you know tuning in and following those guys and uh you know we'll appreciate it and we'll uh we'll talk to you guys uh later in the week and hopefully it's some nice performances on saturday from zach wilson yeah thanks guys, thanks, guys. see ya